0: Buenos días, familia de fe. Me llamo Misael González. Yo soy uno uno de los pastores aquí. Les quiero dar una cordial bienvenida a cada uno de ustedes. My name is Misael González, and if you're new with us, my name is Misael González. So, Misael. I'm not going to push an accent on you. That's okay. So, Misael is my name, and let me tell you, it is such a privilege this morning. To come together under the authority of the word of God. And it's just such a privilege to open it up with you and to say, Lord, what do you have to say for us this morning? And so that's just really cool. And here's the thing. I understand that Sundays are kind of interesting, right? You're fighting the alarm clock. You're fighting your kids. You're fighting someone else. And... You're fighting the bed, look, it happens, I get it, some of us just barely got here, some of those people are myself sometimes, Uh, so I get that interesting fact of Sundays, but we are here, we made it, and I'm so grateful for what had to happen for us to be here. And so I want to make sure that you guys know that we have an app. And so if you have your phone, make sure that you download the app. And if you go to your app store, you can type in First Baptist Owasso. And so if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and do that. And if you do have your app, I want you to open it up on your phone at this moment. And as you open it up, you just click on it. And at the bottom, you're going to see kind of on the bottom right that's going to say Engage. Okay, so when you click Engage, it's going to have all these things. And one of the things is Sermon Notes. So if you go to Sermon Notes you'll see where it says Calvary Campus. And if you click Calvary Campus, uh, you'll be able to click another thing, and you actually get to follow along in the sermon this morning. And it's really cool because you get to go down there, and you get to uh, write your own little notes at the bottom. And then the super cool thing is is that you can actually email the notes to you. You can email the notes to yourself, and I just think that's really cool. And I'm just so grateful for all the work uh, that was put in for that app because I think it makes it super easy in this digital world in order to take some notes, email it to ourselves, and stuff like that. So now, we're in this series called The Church, to gather in a changing world. Okay, or in other words, La Iglesia, Congregados en un Mundo Cambiante. And really, this series is all about why the church matters and why it matters for us to gather together in the biblical view of that and the importance of us coming together. And you know, it's one of those things that it's in these moments where we get to listen to one another and we get to speak to one another. That we get to encourage one another, and we get to cry with one another, and we get to challenge each other because of the high calling of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's why it's so important for us to come together and to listen and to speak life into one another. So now I want to make sure you guys know what what I mean by when I say church. Okay, when we mean church, we're really talking about this Greek word, ekklesia, which is just this word that signifies a congregation or a people, so when I say church or when I say the body of believers or the body of Christ or the bride of Christ, it's talking about a people more so than a place. And so I want to make sure that as we, as we go throughout this series and as we even go this morning, that you understand that when we say these words, we mean a people of God, a people that have been transformed by his grace. That's what we're talking about. And what, what, what signifies of that is that the church is universal. Right, is that right now I have people, friends, believers in Jesus in Nepal who are worshiping the Lord and they are still part of the church, this universal church. And what's so cool is that places here and places in Nepal... People have formed these local churches and these local body of believers that represent the universal church, that what they do is that they come together to, yes, encourage and challenge, but also to equip and to learn from one another. And they get to serve the community in them because they're in a specific place for a specific purpose. And they get to use their spiritual gifts for the edification of one another, for the glory of God, and also to serve the community around them. And so I want to make sure that we understand that because it's one of these things and one of these realities that we can do more together than we can by ourselves. And so I think one of the great examples of that is how we were able to give more than $300,000 of food to people and communities in Owasso and in Tulsa. Which I think is just incredible because I don't have that kind of money. And I don't know if you do either. But we are able to do that together and we are able to not just do it with the money but also with the people. We are able to volunteer and to serve in that way. And so I want to make sure we know that that is just part of who we are. So now the book of Ephesians. Right, And so I hope you know that when we do some background work, that's part of the sermon, and there's a ton to do. Because we just read a passage that talks about husbands and wives, and I'm neither a husband nor a wife. And uh, so it's going to be an awesome time. And so there's there's some importance in knowing the context of Ephesians. Because what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at a broad scope and a broad lens into this passage, And so don't tune out. I promise you this this background is going to be so beneficial for us. And I know we're going to learn so much from it. So when we look at the book of Ephesians, if we look, especially the first like three or four chapters, we see that Paul is talking to a multi-ethnic church and most likely multilingual as well. Because he's talking to Jews and Gentiles. And he's like, guys, you should be united under the one authority and lordship of Jesus Christ that's what he's telling him. He goes, guys, I understand you're from different backgrounds and understand that you see differently maybe in some things, but there's no Jew, nor Gentile, no man, no woman, no whatever. We're all children of God under the authority of the Lord. And that's what he's talking about right here in the first couple chapters. And then also, if you read a little bit more, you see that in the first couple chapters, Paul's using this specific language, This language that God is the head, that Jesus is the head of the church, the leader of the church. And he talks about how the children of God are a household. And it's his household in which he's talking about. And then he also uses this language that signifies this new covenant that we have through Jesus Christ. And so this new covenant that we're talking about is this new covenant that really Jesus fulfilled. And what he actually did is he just replaced the old covenant in the Old Testament. And so this new covenant is this covenant of grace in God through Jesus Christ. And what I think is so cool, okay, is that this covenant was written with the life of Jesus. It was signed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. It was fulfilled by Jesus' raising from the dead. And then it was absolutely completed and sealed through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff and like a huge thing like, what did you just say? Well, I want to make sure you know that because of what Jesus proclaimed and what he did on this earth, that's how he wrote the covenant. And and because of what he did on the cross and that he literally took all of our sin and all of our shame and nailed it there. And he signed that covenant with his own blood. And then if we don't have the resurrection, might as well just kick the covenant to the curve because it's like, okay, whatever. But he rose from the grave saying, I fulfilled this covenant that I wrote myself. And then even in the past couple chapters in Ephesians, he says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that we have this this, uh, security, this eternal security in the Holy Spirit because that is how we're sealed. And this is just so important for us, understanding that Jesus himself sealed the covenant and he authored the covenant, okay? So then also, as we go into this passage, as we go into these particular verses, because in light of what Paul has been talking about of Christ and the church, and, and we are his household, and we are in this covenant with him, and we're in a covenant with each other, because of that, Paul goes into these illustrations, right? Because the first couple of chapters is the gospel story. That's what Paul's talking about. And then, like chapters four and then the rest, God's talk, Paul's, Paul's talking about how the gospel, to, gospel story completely transforms our story. And how it affects every part of our story. And that we are to look at the gospel story and say, okay, well, how does the gospel inform and transform every single aspect of my life? And so this passage is first and foremost an illustration of what Paul is talking about. And then it has a direct application to husbands and to wives. And so that's what I want us to do this morning is to look at this passage in a broader scope. And it's not bad to look at it at a narrow scope like, like most people do, and that's okay because it does have that direct application to husbands and wives. But it's because that the husband and wife relationship is a covenant relationship, like a relationship with the Lord. Christ and the church is this covenant relationship, and the marriage relationship directly reflects that as a mirror. And so I want to make sure that we get that this morning. And really to summarize all of that, here's a short little statement. It says, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he shows how the husband and wife relationship directly illustrates the covenant relationship between Christ and his church. And now the sermon idea that I want you guys to write down, whether it's digitally or physically, is that we must be led before we can lead. We must be led Before we can lead. So, I went to Nepal, like I told you a couple years ago, and I got all this stuff. I got like these blessing scarves and I got all this crazy cool stuff, but I'm in this transition time in my life and it's all in the trailer and I wasn't able to get it, so I just have a rock, okay? And this rock, I got it at at the top of the Himalayas where we trekked, and I actually grabbed it as I was looking at China. So, so I'm over here, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I'm, I'm in Nepal, and I saw China. I was like, whoa, that's cool. I should probably remember this. So I grabbed this rock. So that's the only cool thing I got. I was hoping to, like, show you some other cool stuff. But, you know, that, that's just how it goes sometimes. But in Nepal, what we did is we trekked the Himalayas. But before that, we spent some time in Kathmandu, which is, like, the city of Nepal, like the city. And so we were following... Our, uh, our trekking guides, because we had to buy all this kind of stuff. And so we're, in the, we're like in the city, and it's crazy, let me tell you. I wish I had these pictures and all this kind of stuff, and I do, but again, it's in my trailer and whatever. But so we're going, right, and so we're following our, our, our trekking guides. We're having to buy all this stuff and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of, these, wh- like one of the times we were walking, I looked over, and this guy had a chicken. he's was like blowtorching it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, you don't blowtorch a chicken like that oh, okay, it's fine. So it's kept on going. And it was one of those crazy things that I saw some of the most unique instances in life. And I was like, okay. But we did that for about three days going, or two days going. And then the third day, they looked at me and they said, Misael, and this is my friend Porpu, okay? Porpu was like, Misael, you look Nepali. I was like, thanks. He's like, you look Nepali, so we want you to lead. Because our third day, we're going to go back to the same places to get some more stuff we want you to lead. And I was like okay, like you want me to lead the group everywhere. He goes, yeah, you've watched this lead. Now it's your turn. And I was like, okay. So I'm going and I'm like, okay, that's where the chicken was blocked towards. All right, we're going. But I was so grateful that I was led before I had to lead because I remember to say, okay, this is where they went. This is how the, the route that we took, you know, that's where, the, that's where the, the cow was, that's where the dog was. It's just crazy stuff. But I was so grateful for that. And that's such a principle that I think for us that illustrates that we have to be led before we lead. And as we go to this passage, I think it's obvious that we must be led by the Lord before we can lead. We must be led by the Lord before we can lead. And so this morning, we're going to look at two particular characteristics of how the Lord leads. And there's so much. Like, there's so much in this passage that we're not going to cover. And that's okay. We're just going to highlight a couple of things. So we're going to highlight these two characteristics, and then we're going to highlight how really we are required in this covenantal relationship. There's some things that are required of us and some things that we see the Lord doing as well. So this first characteristic is this. The Lord Jesus Christ is the everlasting leader of his church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the everlasting leader of his church. So let's look at this together. Chapter 5, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wives, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Man, I want to make sure that we read that verse 21 slowly because this is the Why? Why ought we to submit to one another well, out of reverence to Christ, out of worship to Christ? I mean, what other thing do we need to propel us to submit to one another other than Christ himself? He is the one in which we are to worship and to revere. And honestly, I love how, how Chad, one of our pastors, I love how he puts it. He goes, we mutually submit out of mutual respect and out of mutual love for God and for one another. Mutual respect comes from mutual love and respect to God and to one another. And I love how he puts that because it's for the sake of Christ in which we submit. So what else do we need? You know what I'm saying? So when I read this, it's like, okay, as we look at this, we're to submit to one another. And we're to submit to Christ because he is the everlasting leader. He is the divine leader. He's the eternal leader. He is the creator and the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who who is the divine designer. He's the one who has the divine authority. And if the divine authority says to submit, well, I should probably submit. And here's the really cool thing. In his divine design, the Lord Jesus Christ submitted. The Lord Jesus Christ, being fully human and fully divine, came down to our earth, to our filth. And in his humanity, he had to submit to his divinity. So that he would go to the cross for us and die a perfect death that we deserved. A death that, honestly, we couldn't ever do. And so the Lord submitted, and we see that. And also, what I want you to know is I think our world has really tainted and maybe uh, distorted this word submit. It just sounds weird to us. We're like, okay, submit. "Ah, That's just weird. Well, the thing is that submit... It's not an inferiority kind of thing. You know, we look at the scriptures and we see that the Lord has crowned us with glory and he's created us in his image. That whether you're a man or a woman, white, black, red, yellow, green, that you are crowned with glory. You are created in the image of God and we are in this covenant with the Lord. That's what he's talking about. God is saying, I'm the everlasting leader. And the thing is, I want to literally follow the Lord wherever he goes. Because let me tell you, I never want to walk in front of the Lord. And I do not feel worthy enough to walk beside the Lord. I want to literally walk right behind him and say, Lord, you guide me. You're the everlasting leader. You are the one in which I'm in covenant with. God, help me. And the Lord can ask us to submit because he submitted himself. In this covenant relationship, and so that's the powerful application that we see this morning, is that a covenant relationship requires humble submission. A covenant relationship requires humble submission. We've already talked about how the Lord submitted himself. We've already talked about that. We've already used that illustration. But I hope you know that in every aspect of our life, we're to submit to the authority of Jesus. In every aspect of our life, we are to submit to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You see, as pastors, we are to submit to the Lord and follow the Lord and have the Lord lead us before we lead a congregation. As husbands, we are to follow the Lord and have the Lord lead us before we lead our wives. The thing is, that's because that the congregation is the Lord's and we just have the privilege of shepherding it. Just as the wives are the Lord's and The husbands have the privilege of of shepherding her. And this is is God's divine design for us. But in a broader picture, we looked at we right here are the bride of Christ. And we are to submit to the Lord and his authority. Because this covenantal relationship is a specific one. When you look at it, it's not saying all women submit to all men. (laughs) That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is a specific relationship and covenant relationship. Of wives and husbands, just as his particular believers to the particular God. That is what he's talking about in this moment. And so we've seen that the Lord is the everlasting leader. He really is. But he's also the loving leader of his church. And so that's the next thing that we see is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the loving leader of his church. Loving leader. You know, before I, I tether out this, this next point, I, I just have to say, to backtrack just a little bit, I have to say that it's, it's one of those things that if you don't know, I'm, I'm 22, okay? I'm 22 years old, and I'm in the youngest on our staff. I'm the youngest pastor on our staff. And it's been so incredible and so enriching and so powerful that I'm in this room with older people and we're talking about the church, we're talking about what do we do, and they're like, Misael, what should we do? How do we do? Why? And they're asking me. And I'm like, you're like 60, like, you should know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's this mutual submission that's so cool, that comes out of mutual respect and love out of the Lord and each other. And that's the same thing in this marriage relationship, and the same thing amongst all of us as we are the bride of Christ. And so I wanted to make sure and say that because I was like, oh, man, I have to. And so now we're going into the Lord is the loving leader of his church, right? And so I think this word love has also been distorted and tainted in our world and how we view it. Because ultimately, with love, there is self-sacrifice. You can't have love without self-sacrifice. They are one in the same because the Lord is love. It's not just an attribute of God. It's who God is, And so he self-sacrificed himself for us. And so when we think about that and we really allow that to saturate us, it's like, oh, my goodness, Lord. I can't believe the way you love me, that you gave up yourself for me. And so that's what we see in these verses. So let's read this together in verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, and man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. You see, at the beginning, the reason that I said that this is first and foremost an illustration of the bigger context that Paul is talking about is because of verse 32 right here. that says, this is a profound mystery, and in light of everything I'm talking about, I'm really talking about Christ and the church. I'm really talking about the Lord and his people. And so, like I already said, the Lord sacrificed himself for us, and and love is this self-sacrifice. And as I think about it, I'm like, God... You had the right to come down as a demanding leader and saying, pay up. As a demanding leader, the Lord could have said, look, you have an eternal payment to pay. You have an eternal price to pay. Come on, cough it up. But that's not what happened. He didn't come as a demanding leader. He came as a loving leader saying, there's a price to pay and I'm here to pay it. And I'm like, whoa, God, thank you. That you did not come demanding, but you came lovingly. And you loved us and, and, and we you call us to be one. You call us to be your body. You know, as we look at this passage, we see this, this emphasis of unity again. This emphasis of unity that Paul is saying, look, you need to be one in Christ like he's been talking about before. And again, this, this husband and wife relationship is such a beautiful illustration of that. We talked about the husband and the wife will come and they'll be one together, leaving their father and their mother. Man, we are to be one in unity and in love and out of respect, out of reverence for God as a body of believers, not, not depending on our background or what language we speak or what ethnicity we are. You know, humble sacrifice goes a long way. Humble sacrifice out of respect and love for the Lord and for each other goes a long way. It changes us. It changes our tone of voice. It changes who we are. It changes how we act. Because really what we believe in God changes our behavior to God and to one another. That's what happens when we know the Lord. And so this this second powerful application for us is that a covenantal relationship requires humble sacrifice. A covenantal relationship requires requires humble sacrifice. As I look at this, I see that Jesus gave so much. Jesus didn't just give all that he had. He gave all of who he was. That's what he did. And as, and as we think of this in the covenantal relationship of a marriage, my goodness, as husbands, man, they ought to give not just all of what they have, but all of who they are. That is what's supposed to happen. And as I think of this in the bigger context, I'm like, Lord, you're telling me that I'm supposed to sacrifice and, and really follow in your footsteps. That challenges me a lot to sacrifice what I have, but also who I am for the Lord. Sacrifice my time, sacrifice my resources all to him. And as I keep looking forward, as we look keep look keeping forward in these verses, we go to verse 28, right? And it says that husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. And we see that they feed and they care for it. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, my body is very imperfect. It is not perfect whatsoever. I don't have the abs I wish I had. I don't have the hair I wish I had. It's imperfect. It is. It's sinful. It's dark. And what the Lord is saying is that, look, you love yourself even though you're imperfect and we keep on going forward look love the other person though they're imperfect and then we keep going further the lord is looking at us and he's saying i loved you though you were imperfect oh man that should do something in us knowing that the lord loved us though we were imperfect and therefore we should love others though they're imperfect and therefore we should love ourselves even though we're imperfect because that's how the lord loves sacrificially and though we're imperfect human beings You know, these are some really hard applicational things if you think about it. Lord, you're telling me I'm in a covenant relationship with you and others, and that this marriage relationship is 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 also a reflection of that covenant relationship? He's saying, yes, yes it is. And it requires these things. It requires this humble sacrifice and this humble submission to one another. Out of reverence and worship to the Lord. So I want to go into this time of just reflection Okay, I want to reflect on this passage with you. And, and maybe that looks like you just sitting the way that you are. Or maybe that looks like with your head bowed and, and really focused in. But I want to go into this time of reflection with you guys. And in, in light of what we talked about. So we're going to land here on this last verse, verse 33. Verse 33 says this is that, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. When is the last time, I'm gonna talk to the married couples in this room. When is the last time that you asked yourself, How can I love my wife better? Furthermore, when's the last time that you asked your wife, Wife, how can I love you better? When's the last time that happened? And wives, when's the last time that you asked yourself, How can I respect my husband better? Or when's the last time that you asked your husband, husband, how can I respect you better? And these are questions that I don't just want to leave in this room. I hope these are questions that when you leave this room, that when you're at home, that you ask each other this, I urge you, please, it might just do wonders. And then in a bigger context, as the bride of Christ, I want us to ask ourselves as a church, how are we living a life that is reverent to the Christ? How are we living a life that is truly respecting the Lord and who he is and understanding who he is? Are we actually being led by the everlasting and loving Lord? I wanna make sure we get that. And in a broader context, this is for all of us. If you're a non-believer in this room, I wanna ask you a question if that's okay. Are you incomplete? Do you feel incomplete the reason I asked that is because we are incomplete human beings without the Lord Jesus Christ we are incomplete human beings without Jesus making us new without him making us a new creation we just really are because Christ is the head and we can't live without the head we can't just live as bodies and then I'm gonna talk to my family of faith Are you guys lacking something? Are you lacking something? You're walking with the Lord and you just feel like something is lacking? I love the statement that Chad makes. And Chad says that our life with Christ lacks something if we are not part of his church. If we're not part of a local family of faith. So maybe you've been visiting here for a while. Maybe it's time to become a member of the church and to truly be all in with this local family of faith. Maybe it's time for that. Because here in this place, we are first led by the Lord before we lead. In our lives, we are first led by the Lord before we lead. That's how it should be. And that's how we want it to be. In this place right here, we want it to be a place where we encourage one another. Where we can cry with one another. And where we can challenge each other because of the highest calling of Jesus Christ. And so I want you guys to think about these things... As we respond to the Lord. So let's pray together. Lord, at this moment, I'm so grateful for your grace. I'm grateful that your grace absolutely covers our sin. Lord, because we were children of wrath before we were children of God. God, at this moment, we repent to you in the areas that we need to repent. Lord, in this moment, we understand that we are either incomplete without you or that we were incomplete without you. God, we remember that you are the everlasting, eternal, divine leader of our lives. And God, forgive us when we haven't followed you. Forgive us where we haven't submitted where we have to submit. Forgive us where we haven't sacrificed where we have to sacrifice. God, you haven't called us to comfort at all. And forgive us if we've just been super comfortable in our ways. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people who submit to your word, submit to your authority. And remembering your sacrifice and your submission would propel us in our lives. Individually, in our community, in our families, in our church, locally and universally. God, you are beyond all things. And thank you for how your word speaks to us and pierces our hearts and and just absolutely transforms who we are. Father, I pray that whoever you're working on at this moment, Lord, that you would give them the boldness, the absolute boldness to talk with me or to talk with our other pastor, Jonathan, about who you are and how everything of who you are affects who we are, that your gospel story informs and transforms our story. In Jesus' name I pray.